You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Woodland uh, Pierre, a mental health therapist and owner of Living Soul. How you doing, Woodland? Good. I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing great. I'm so glad to have you on the show. This is your first time on the Recovered Life show. And uh, we have an interesting topic today. And it's really about relationships, really understanding how to be self-supporting in healthy relationships. And I know, uh, Woodland, a lot of times, you know, people come into recovery, they are thinking, you know, they've been recovered for a little bit, uh, maybe a year they've been in recovery, two years, they start to have relationships, and they want to have different type of relationships that maybe that they had when they were in active addiction. So I'm so glad to have you on. I know as a trained therapist, you've dealt a lot with people with addiction recovery and relationships. Uh, can we dive into it here real quick? Healthy relationships. That's kind of like, let's define that a little bit and talk about interdependence and interdependence and kind of the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. So definitely. So, and thank you for having me again. And um, hello to all your listeners and to all your fans. So this is a very great topic. Um, healthy relationship. Healthy relationship can look differently for everyone. However, for us in regard to mental health, in regard to positivity and mindfulness, healthy relationship, because we believe that behaviors are learned. So a healthy relationship will look whereas is it could be less stressor. It could be um, where I'm not so dependent on my partner or I'm not becoming enabled or a burden in that relationship. Healthy relationship can be, you know, where you are feeling like there's different ways people, people describe healthy relationship. But healthy relationship is something where it looks... It looks for you how you want to have it look like. So because I could be like, you know, and as long as not disturbing, where it's not disturbing my peace or it's not bringing me stress, where to cause me to have anxiety, depression, all all, all different factors, different life factors, then that could be a healthy relationship. But if, if if the relationship is causing me to be unhealthy, then it's not healthy. That is so important, I think, because in recovery, people want to stay in recovery. They don't want to go out, right? And so a lot of people maybe have tried for years to get sober. They're finally sober. You know, they're Mm -hmm. finally sober. They're doing it. And now they're at a point where they get into relationships. And I've seen this time and time again, Woodland, that like people get in relationships, they go out. It's like money, dating, right? Even friendships, relationships that are friendships, they get into them. And that is really the trigger to go out. And I think you talked about learned, you know, a lot of these are learned. And can we talk about that, that model? Because I found that a lot of people didn't really have a good model of what a good, healthy relationship, especially romantic relationship was like. And now they're in recovery and saying, you know what? I want to, I want to do this. I want to try this but they just didn't really ever had a really good model about what is actually good and not good. 
Right. So like, like for instance, to, to go back to what I, I mentioned, right? So you can have a, someone to them, if, you know, the mother never say anything, never stand for, for herself in the relationship or whatever marriage or the relationship, then to them, it's like, okay, I don't need to stand up for myself because that's what I'm used to. And to them, that's healthy because then I don't have a voice. I don't have to speak up. I just let the men be the men and run and run everything. And then me just be the female and just lay back and be quiet. So to them, it's like a healthy relationship. And it, like you said, it could be, um, you know, vice versa with, you know, just two friends being friend. A lot of time I hear people say, well, I don't need to go into therapy because I talk to my friend and my friend is my therapist. But then if you, if you causing your friend to be burned out and be stressed because you giving them your problem, then that relationship is not healthy. So go back to your question. A lot of time in recovery, they do know they want something different, but a lot of the time it's the fear because they're letting go of something they're so used to. And a lot of time when you have people in recovery, whatever they were dealing with become their partner. So it could be alcohol, it could be the drugs. So that's my partner because that's what I rely on. And that's my way of escaping. So then now when they're in recovery, they don't have that. So then now when they get into a relationship in the human side, it can be very intriguing, very scary in the fear of trying to now deal with somebody when I'm sober, it's totally two different things. And, and yeah, so absolutely. you- and you get where as you know, they depend on that person constantly. And so they're not either not able to function on their own, or they're not able to think or do things without having that person validation. You and know, I think I think one of the things too is just to say, like, you know, when we were talking about the modeling, we were talking about kind of where you come from, uh -huh. right? So I find that a lot of people, and this is just from being a viewer or like working with people in 12 steps or, you know, uh, you know, I do accountability coaching, especially with guys. And mm -hmm. what I find is a lot of the times is that not only do they not even know what they want, they don't even have a model about what they want, right? They feel very comfortable sometimes with abusive relationships, right? Because... Because many people who are in recovery come from alcoholic homes, and we know that there's usually a codependent in there. There is a, you know, an active alcoholic in there. So dysfunction becomes the that is love, right? Because that's how they were shown love right. when they were a child, right? And so you see that, especially in 12-step groups a lot, you see people attracting exactly what they don't want, right? And pursuing Correct. exactly what they don't want. Yeah. How do you break that? How do you start to break the cycle of that? Because what I see is there's an awareness, especially with working with guys, right? There's awareness. Mm -hmm. They've never asked themselves that like, you know, uh, uh, for, for example, I, I had uh, someone I worked with at one point was like, well, you know, I need things to be serene. I need people around me to be sober. I need kind of really positive people. But everyone that this person was dating was the absolute opposite. A lot of chaos, a lot of, you know, a lot of drinking. How do you start to break that cycle and start to realize, hey, something's wrong. I want to break this. Right. So I used to, I used to do a lot of imago therapy. And imago therapy is not something that a lot of 
you know, colleague of mine or, you know, people use a lot. But when it comes to, you know, um, relationship, imago therapy is a great technique, a great way, because what you're trying to do with that client is, is have them see, like you just say, a lot of time they come from an environment that they, they, they see. And that's, that's their model. That's what they know. They don't know, like, relationship can be healthy. They don't know that, you know what, I don't need to have um, someone constantly, inter you know, doing intervention for me in order for me to function. So that, you know, I can be self-sufficient self by myself. Or even if I'm, I am in a relationship, I can still be self-sufficient and still be in a healthy relationship. So then using imagotherapy, it's a great way because what you do is you have that person compare to what they're used to and then to see, okay, well, this is how my mother was. This is how my father was. And then not compare to a relationship they, they had and then look at similarity because a lot of the time, like you mentioned, if I say, I don't want somebody like my father, I know I don't want somebody like my father. That's what my brain is saying, but I don't know as far as how, how will that look like the difference that I don't want somebody like my father or I don't want somebody like my mother. And sometimes I'm drawn to have somebody like my mother, but that's not what I want, but that's what I'm known. I, I have known all my life and that's what I'm seeing. So, so like I said, imago therapy is a great way to, to guide the, the, the um, client like that. If, if any therapist out there listening, but it's not the only way. And, and also to, is to really meet the client where they're at and then take it from there, you know, meet them yeah. where they're at and, and see, okay. And, and they could, they could be in a family where they're seeing a healthy relationship, but then going out there and then going through recovery, you know, they, they attract to that person because then they also, again, I'm seeing fear again. If I'm not used to something, right, and you come to me, you're not going to relate. So sometimes they're looking for somebody like themselves who have gone through recovery and they can relate to. But sometimes that's not always the right choice or the healthy choice. Yeah, I, you know, I, I love how you talk about dependence, interdependence. Yeah. And kind of how you explain that because it explains a lot of things that you see in recovery. You know, one of the one of the things that you see a lot are people who are in relationships when they come into recovery and they have attracted somebody who is clearly codependent, not to diagnose it, but they're just codependent, right? Right. Uh, right. They're, they're, they're addicted to a substance. Their partner is addicted to saving them. And then once the person becomes more healthy, starts mm -hmm. making choices on their own, stands up and says, okay, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to get sober. I'm going to do the work. Mm -hmm. The self you know, the self-awareness starts to kick in. And, you know, as we know, self-awareness grows. That person becomes usually quite resentful that the person is sober, that the person is actually moving forward in their life. And it becomes very confusing to the person in recovery. Because mm -hmm. they don't understand, well, this is what the person wanted. And now that I am this, mm -hmm. they're, 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 it, it seems that we don't have as good of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I said, we always trying to find somebody to 
to understand what we're going through. And, and, and a lot of time we fit in into each other. So then therefore not having that is, it's an issue. And then when you come to enter the interdependence, see, you get the personality. Cause remember a lot of time when you have client going through recovery, a lot of time they do end up with dual diagnosis, not all the time, mm -hmm. but a lot of time. So then you can have the personality you can have where they need to be micromanaged manage, or depending on, and on others, emotions and all those other things. So sometimes you do get that, even though they're saying that's what they want. But remember, recovery is also another phase for them. They're not used to and whatever we're not used to or we don't know, it gives us that on whatever that we're not used to or the unknown or what's behind this can also you know lead us to to not understand or having the fear and also be related into what we want so we can say one thing and, and and then that's not how we anticipate for it for it to play in our head you know would like can we talk about boundaries here how to kind of set boundaries because i think a lot of this is self-awareness Yes. The longer that you're sober, it kind of comes to you. Hey, this that that something's not right here regarding these relationships, right? And I think it's a, I think it's a constant. Um, I find that you have to kind of constantly tinker with it and improve it a bit. It's it's kind of like a car in a way, an old car that you're working on. Right. Because I found now, you know, thirty years into recovery, you know, I had a couple aha moments at, at the, during the pandemic. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic to say, you know what, some of the friends that I had in my life, I, I was giving a lot to, but not really getting anything back. And and I found that, you know, I was in a role of like, maybe the boundaries weren't as good as they should have been with me, right? Like I maybe did too much. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and, and you know, I, I have a tendency to do that, you know, I overplay a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. How do you start to kind of reevaluate if your boundaries are good, because I find that this is a this is a huge issue for people in recovery. Uh, they either don't have really good boundaries, and especially they pick and attract people who have terrible boundaries. How do you kind of reset that and start to try to get some healthy boundaries in your life with people? Mm -hmm. One way, there are many ways you can you can work with a client, or there are many ways you can teach someone in regard to healthy boundaries. Um, first is to learn how, not just to say no, but exactly what do I want and, and what, what do I want and, and how, you know, that will, whatever I want can help me and also help me to be more healthier. So regardless of relationship, regardless of family boundary, healthy boundary is important. And, and even when it comes to recovery. So now the first thing is to verbalize exactly what you want. You don't have to be disrespectful about it. This is what I want. And this is what I know what's best for me. And I know what I need. And this is what it is. And if you can't respect that, then we don't need to be friends. Because a friend is going to respect what you want and what you need. And, and if it's too much for them, then we don't need to, this relationship don't need to go any further. So like, for instance, something simple when it comes to, to boundary, it could be, whereas if I'm saying, okay, I need 
um, let's meet up, right? If I say, oh, let's meet up, I'm not really giving you a time. Then we could be going back and forth with time, but I could be like, hey, this is my availability. Or let's meet up January 17th at 4 p.m. Now it's more precise. I'm giving you my schedule. And if you can't meet with that schedule, that's fine. But then, you know, so something simple like that could be healthy boundary. I'm telling you the time, I'm telling you what's good for me. And this is, this, this is, this is what I can do. Because a lot of time when it comes to unhealthy boundaries is because people want you to match what's good for them. It could just be something simple like scheduling. It could be something simple whereas, you know what, I can't meet with you today. Or let's say, you know, I'm, I'm in recovery and you know I'm in recovery, but you want to take me to a bar. Like, no. I'm in recovery. You should, you should be able to guide me and help me, but then you're not. So I'm strong enough to know my health, my boundaries. So I'm going to tell you no. And it's okay. I'm going to be okay with that, even if you're mad. For all of you Recovered Life Show listeners who've battled in sobriety and are ready to level up, listen up. I'm offering a week of my accountability coaching absolutely free. This isn't just about day-to-day survival. It's about aggressively propelling your life forward. Whether you're new to sobriety or have been sober for years and are struggling to elevate your life, I'm going to be your partner for a week and help you get on track and start living the recovered life you deserve. We're not just talking about setting goals here. We're going to pursue real, tangible breakthroughs in your personal and business life. This is more than recovery. It's about owning your path and seizing the greatness you're destined for. But hurry, spaces are limited. Don't wait. Go to DamonFrank.com and claim your free week and start your journey. It's time to transform survival into thriving. Visit DamonFrank.com and book your free week now. That's my band. That's my space. No, it's not. So a lot of time we don't know how to say no in a respectful way. And, and, and a lot of time too with healthy boundaries, I'm going to use the I statement. I don't need to blame you. So we used to use a lot of the I statement with clients where, you know, I don't like when you do this to me. You know, I don't like how I feel when this been done, where I'm not pointing the finger at you, but I'm also telling you this is, this is like, I don't like when you call, I don't like to be called after 10 PM. That's my sleeping time. And if you're constantly doing it again, and I'm constantly telling you what I don't like, then guess what's going to happen? I'm going to block you. Yeah. yeah and, and that's absolutely. what it is. And I don't have to feel bad about it. I think a lot of time when we set boundaries, we are feeling bad of setting boundaries because then we are so afraid of what Woodland going to say. Oh my God, what Woodland going to think? Because we also want to be people pleaser. But I can still set boundaries and still be okay with you. I love how you said, Woodland, about not feeling bad about it because I think this is beyond the picking like i mm-hmm. find that you know they always say that the picker gene with recovered alcoholics especially is horrible 
Like we will pick if there were five different relationships or five different things, sometimes we will pick the thing that is the worst for us, right? And we talked a little bit about self-awareness, setting these boundaries. I also want to talk a little bit about the power of being able to let go. You know, um, I found this to be a huge thing for me. Many times I've gotten to the point and, and I've seen others get to the point where they've set these boundaries. They've they, they've said, look, this doesn't work for me. You can't call me after 10 or what, right? And then the response back, they don't listen to, where the person will say like, they don't care about your boundaries, right? They, they don't care. And the ability to just be able to kind of listen to what people are telling you, because people will actually tell you a whole lot about oh, yes. what they're willing to do, right? And what their boundaries are. But so many times, and I don't think this is a recovery, day, this is a human thing, right? We yes. don't really want to listen because we're afraid to let go. And I, I don't know where that comes from. And maybe you could jump into it a little bit because this inability to just be able to say, okay, it doesn't work for me. And, you know, I came to a point in my life where I was just able to say, you know what, ah, that doesn't work for me. Well, if the person, if I have to let go and that that person is not in my life, then that person is not in my life. That's absolutely okay with me. You know, I'm not going to be mean about it. I'm not going to cause drama about it, but it's okay to let go of what doesn't work for you. Yes. And that is something that is not just people in recovery. That is something that I think a lot of people um, have issue with is letting go. There's, we still used to doing the same things, even when not getting the result that we are looking for. It's like letting go. It's kind of like it's kind of like having somebody die. And and I it, you know and it, it's like if I let go of this, it's kind of like a death type of thing. No, it's okay to let go. It, it, it's okay, and and that's when that self um, affirmation. Talk, you know, letting your that self sufficient comes too. Like I should be able to know this is not good for me, and it's okay for me to let go. Mm -hmm. But we are so used to it, and we are so used to. Oh my God! If I let this go, what's gonna happen? Nothing. Probably nothing gonna happen. But we are so used to keeping on to the negative than the positive. So therefore, letting go is it is it, such a trauma for a lot of folks to let go, even when it comes to relationship, even when it comes to, you know, um, alcohol or whatever substance um, uses, it's hard for us to let go. So one of the, one of the way, you know, is slowly to start letting certain things go in your life. And then to, to know that, you know, it's okay. And, and to, you know, putting yourself together and also, you know, giving yourself that um, clarity that it's okay because I don't need this right now. So another something too, I always use, if it's broken, fix it. That means that if something needs to let go, let it go. You know, and, and let it go. And, and I think also too, society has this thing whereas if something is meant for you, you need to hold on to it. Or there's always a time frame, like like it could be a, a bad relationship or unhealthy. I don't like using the word bad, but unhealthy relationship. We know it's unhealthy, right? We know for sure it's unhealthy. We don't want that relationship. But to let go of that relationship is hard because you have society probably, oh, hold on. 
well, you don't have enough, you don't have the, the high tolerance level. Or it's because, you know, this and this and that. So we think of all those things, you know, where I need to constantly stay in this in this situation or this relationship and also to try to change this person. So then let go is is hard. It is. I and I think oh. I think society, you know, like you're telling us, society is like, well, figure it out, work it out. Also, it you out. know, right. and and I think I think it's even beyond that. Like you said, probably nothing will happen. And I found there there usually is no ramifications from letting go of things that don't work for you. But I find that um something does happen. What does happen is you're opened up to mm -hmm. receive the things that are really right. Because I think what it does, I don't know, you know, if this is a psychology thing, a God thing, a universe, I don't know even what you would call it. But mm -hmm. I think when you start to make good decisions, and I've seen this in recovery, people that actually choose, hey, I can't stay sober, but I have the willingness. I'm going to choose to be willing to stay sober. That willingness opens up the ability to stay sober for a day and the next day and the net, right? And it's the same thing, I think, with making good choices in your life is that using that same muscle, when you're able to say, hey, this doesn't work for me and I'm willing to let go of this, it opens up the ability to be able to get new things in your life that are going to work for you. Right. And, and like you said, you're absolutely correct, like you said, because a lot of time we, you know, we constantly thinking of the negative of it because that's what we are so used to. So then we don't want to let go and we don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. So you have, you know, that's why um, self-talk is very important. That positive self-talk, reminding yourself that you are good enough, reminding yourself that you are capable of, you should get, you sh you know, be able to do something. And also to another thing too, it's okay. Like, like you just mentioned, right. In recovery, Give yourself that grace. We don't like giving ourselves grace. It's okay if I mess up today, but I have the willingness. I have the motivation. And with the motivation, the, you know, because the best motivation is realizing that I messed up, but I have tomorrow. And I can pick back up again tomorrow. It's like having someone like, you know, I lost 70 pounds, but in the past, what 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 I used to do, whereas, you know, I will start and it's like 10 days and I'm expecting to lose. And when I don't lose, I just messed up and my mess up will be all the way like two months, three months, just continuing my, you know, poor eating habits. Right. The moment I give myself grace that it's OK today if if I eat cheesecake. But I have to make sure tomorrow I don't eat cheesecake. The next day I don't eat cheesecake. You know, I'm giving myself the grace. And I think a lot of time we don't do that. And, and a lot of time in recovery, we don't give ourselves grace because we are expecting for recovery to happen, like putting our, the food in the microwave, like a microwave. We're not giving ourselves that time. So I think a lot of time we have to give ourselves grace. And, and, it's, and it's quicker for someone in recovery to give others grace, but not themselves. Because we are our worst enemy. Oh, 100%. I see that. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I have people tell me this all the time. I am way harder on myself. You know, I had somebody tell me in early recovery that if somebody talked to me 
like I was talking to myself, they would kick their butt, right? Like, it was like, I'd never let anybody talk to you like that. You're my friend, okay. but you talked to yourself very, very, very poorly. Hi. And I think that, again, this is kind of a muscle, you know? I think the interesting thing about recovery is, you know, one of the things we learn in recovery that I've taken away with relationships is that I think people see relationships as something that doesn't take work at all. And I'm and I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. I'm talking about friendships, relationships with your family, relationships in general, right? I found that relationships do take work. You're you're gonna have to put in work, right? But there yes. is this there is this fine line, and I've noticed that if um, there has to be an even exchange, there has to be something coming back, right? Like there has to be. You have to have willing participants in. You can't drag people to the party. All this stuff I've kind of learned in, in in recovery that I really I first learned honestly through the recovery process that I've now applied into relationships. You know, I, I guess in closing here, I want to kind of I want to start talking about some of the signs of people that might be listening to this and saying, you know what, I feel that my relationships are off. I feel I don't have great relationships. Actually, let's get into like how they might recognize that they're not great. We did a little bit of that before, but then talk about what they can start doing about it. Because I think, I think this is the important thing. Like, how do we get into action here if we recognize a couple key things and we really want to start pursuing more healthy relationships? How do we how do we do that, Woodland? Mm -hmm. And and like you said, that's that's the that's another uh, problem uh, you know out there. Um, knowing that something is not good, but staying in it or not trying to like figure out what's the best way to do it, right? To get out of it. Because again, we're so used to it. The first thing is, is self-awareness. The fact that you're aware that this is not healthy for you, that is good enough, right? Because I'm now saying this is not healthy for me. This is not good for me, right? But a lot of time we stay in relationship not because of us, but because of the other. Well, well, you know, he was there for me or, you know, that loyalty. A lot of time we are so loyal <laughs> um, to others and not to ourselves. I tell people all the time, you know, um, God says to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So if I don't love myself enough, I wouldn't know how to love you. So that means to, I say that to say, if something is not good for me, then I should know it's not good for me. So having that self-awareness, and I know a lot of time we do want to stay in a relationship. Going into, you know, um, mental health, you know, going into therapy, you know, if you have done everything you know you have done to make the relationship healthy and it's not, be okay to let go. Be okay to let go with no guilty feelings, with no, um, you know, I'm a bad person, I should have stayed, or people making you feel like you should have stayed in this marriage, you should, you should have stayed in this friendship, you should have stayed in this relationship. If it's not working, it's not working. You know, and, and I tell people all the time, if you have a car, right? And, and the simplest thing, you have a car, it was working for you fine, right? Five years, the car is great. 10 years, you're going on, the car is great. Then all of a sudden, 
the car is, uh, you know, start giving you a problem. You have taken the car to the best mechanic ever. You have done everything you can possibly do to fix the car, right? But it's constantly, you fix this, there's another problem. You fix this, there's another problem with the car. What eventually, what you're going to do? You're either going to get rid of that car because now it's taking the toll on you because you're constantly fixing this car and you're constantly doing everything you can. Now, it's okay if I go and get me a brand new car. It's okay because I have done everything. And another thing too, when people are in relationship, people feel like, Don, people feel like you should have changed. You should stay the same in the relationship. No, it's okay if I change. As long as I'm not changing for the worse, it's okay. I'm supposed to change. I, I, I can't be the same, the same whittling you have met five years ago. Then that means there, there's no growth. So a lot of time when we are changing in the relationship, sometimes the other, the way the message or the way it's looking for this person, if they don't understand that change, is like it's a bad thing. It's unhealthy. And then now we fall for it and we just fall into it. So first, self-awareness that this is not working. I have done everything to fix that car. It's not working. It's okay to move on to another car. You know, I can still show my gratitude toward you for those years we were together, those years you were with me, those years that you stand by me. But at this time, I'm going to, I'm going to transition. And it's okay if you can't go with me in that transition. And, or if you don't want to understand that I'm in a transition in my life. So it, it goes again. We can go in recovery. And if this other person that I was with cannot understand that I'm in a recovery phase, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You love know, because recovery, that. you were there. You know, now I may need somebody else for this season of me going to recovery. You know, and, and, and I don't have to make you feel bad. It's okay. You know, I, I, I love how you, I, I love how, you know, you talk a little bit about seasons a little bit about there, there, there are times for things, right? And I found this with friends specifically. Um, there are times that I have had friends that have been very, very, very close that have come for a season, yes. right? And then sometimes they'll reemerge, sometimes they won't, but they were very pivotable pivotal and important you know a couple of people i could think of in recovery i would not have made mm -hmm. it you yeah. know if it wasn't for these people do i talk to these people i, do, I don't right now right but during that period of time i would they were very important to me i was very important to them right and yes. for whatever reason uh it, that just did that just didn't work out long term but doesn't mean that there might not be a future season where, where that could happen. And I, I've really started to kind of look at that in my own recovery with relationships that I've had in my life is that it's not an all or nothing thing, right? And I think so many times we think it's an all or nothing thing. We erase all the good that's happening. We evaporate the good that's happening in the present, right? Yes, yes. Um, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to address final thoughts here. 
If people are listening to this, and I know somebody's listening to this, they're saying, nah, Damon, Woodland, you, do, you don't understand. I have tried friends, relationships, family relationships, you name it. I am just not someone who does relationships well. It's never going to work for me. What would you say to that person who's listening to this and is maybe thinking those thoughts? There you go. Thinking those thoughts, right? We already starting. It's not going to work. So whatever we fit in, that's what we fit in. So if we say, okay, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I have tried. But how were we trying? You know, I, I'm, I always said practice doesn't make better. Because if I'm constantly practicing the wrong way, it will never get better. But if I, if I start practicing the right way, then I'm going to get the right result. So if I'm already thinking it's not going to work, I, I don't need to, to try this again. I, I, this is how I'm going to die for the rest of my life. I'm going to be just by myself. And we're not talking about, you know, just intimate relationship, but just any relationship. I'm a strong believer that, you know, we all need a supportive um, system. We all need uh, a support system, I mean, and, and having someone that we can rely on, someone that we know when we go high, they can understand our high, you know, and, and still not uh, still not abusing the relationship. Sometimes, too, we need to look at ourselves, too. And that's why I said I love doing imago therapy when it comes to relationship with, you know, when I used to um, see clients. Um, because it's such a way, it's such a way of giving that client that insight that they need in regard to relationship. Uh, and I'm not going to say to keep trying, trying different relationship because it's a lot of energy. When you just meet someone, you start to get to know them. You start to tell them your favorite color and what you do and how things are and how things wear. You want to constantly grow with that person. You constantly want that person in your life because you don't want to start all over again. But if you feel like it's not working, because you should know what's best for you. So if I know something is not working, then I'm going to do what's best for me. So so therefore, and, and also to another thing too, is that we so afraid to take some time for ourselves. Because of, you know, we so afraid of being independent and being self, you know, uh, being self-sufficient. We're so afraid of that. It's okay if, if it, it, let's say if I was in a relationship or marriage and getting divorced, it's all right if I, if I stay for four months without getting into another relationship. But we constantly need you know, that support or that interdependency, we constantly crave for it. We don't know any other way. Love I can that. work on myself. I can be content with myself. And, and we do need to take care of ourselves first before we can take care of somebody else. So be okay to take care of you. I always tell another thing before we, we close I always tell people when you go on a plane, right? You get, you get, you, you, you go into the flight and then before the flight, before the flight take off, they give you instruction of, you know, safety instruction. They always said, even if you a parent, right? It always look 
why would they even say that? They always said, if anything, if the plan is going down or something is happening, before you help the person next to you, make sure you, you put that oxygen first. Make sure you put that safety gear first, right? There's a reason for that. Because if I don't take care of myself, it's hard for me to take care of somebody else. So if I don't put that recovery first, it's hard for me to take care of me. And therefore, it's going to be hard to, for me to take care of somebody else. I can try to take care of somebody else, but guess what? I'm going to bring more stress and more burden into me and more loads that I, I shouldn't be carrying. I don't need to. So therefore, I'm going to take care of me first. And I think that's what society, we, you know, the society, like, no, you, you a bad person if you don't take care of this person. I need to take care of me first. Like the self-care, we're so afraid of doing that self-care because then people will be like, well, you selfish. You know, if I start taking care of me, then people are going to be like, you're so selfish. She's so selfish. Like she only think about herself. No, I'm thinking about others, but I'm also going to take care of me too. Because if yeah, I don't take self -supporting. care of me, you have to be self-supporting. Yeah. Correct. If I don't take care of me, then I can't take care of you. So I need to take care of me. So then that way I can take care of you in a healthy way. Woodline, so, this has been an amazing episode. Thank you so much for coming yeah, on the show. Well, thank you. Shedding some insight on this. And we're going to put uh, links on how you can get in touch with her in the show notes uh, and also some information about Living Soul. Uh, we're going to have you back on to talk more about relationships. This has been really good. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on today. Thank you again. And thank you for having me. And remember, going through life is not, is not hard at all. Is what we make it to be or what we make it to look like. And, you know, let's, let's live a healthy life. All right. So thank you again for having me. Thanks so much. Sometimes addiction recovery can be a lonely battle, but you don't have to fight it alone. At Recovered Life, we're dedicated to helping you live your best recovered life. And that's why we're inviting you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Every week, we carefully curate exclusive content from leading minds in addiction recovery, mental health, and all things important to the recovery lifestyle. Stay in the know with the latest news about addiction and get exclusive invitations to specially recovery-focused events and explore insights tailored to support recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, disordered eating, dysfunctional family dynamics, gambling, and so much more. With our newsletter, each week becomes an opportunity for growth, healing, and taking a step closer to the life you deserve. Take your first step towards a brighter future today. Go to recoveredlife.us and subscribe for free. Sign up now at recoveredlife.us.